Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Medicine Path Podcast. I'm your host, Brian James. On today's episode, I present to you a conversation with Srivatsa Ramaswamy. Srivatsa Ramaswamy is the longest standing student of the legendary Sri T. Krishnamacharya, having studied with him for over 30 years. He's written four books, Yoga Beneath the Surface, The Complete Book of Vinyasa Yoga, Yoga for the Three Stages of Life, and The Basic Tenets of Patanjala Yoga. He's been teaching for more than 25 years, including workshops and teacher training programs in India, the U.S., and around the world. I had the great privilege of studying with Ramaswamy for a month back in 2014 at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. I was interested in studying with him because at the time I was trying to understand more about the core teachings of Krishnamacharya who is really responsible for most of the postural yoga that's being practiced in the West. Krishnamacharya's well-known students like Patabi Joyce, BKS Iyengar, Indra Devi, and his own son TKV Desikachar 
all presented yoga in slightly different ways. And I was interested to know why that was and to understand better what Krishnamacharya's core teachings were. To do that, I felt I needed to get as close to the source as I could. And Ramaswamy studied with Krishnamacharya longer than anyone else outside of his own family. So in order to make that happen, I had to quit my job and sell our Volkswagen camper van to move to L.A. for five weeks. But I've always felt that if I was going to teach this method of yoga, that I should try to understand it as much as I could. And for me, that starts with learning from the teachers who carry these teachings and then putting those teachings into practice and learning from that direct experience. So sometimes that requires effort and sacrifice, which to me feels like a small price to pay for the incredible gifts that teachers like Ramaswamy offer so generously. One of the goals of this podcast is for me to get to spend some one-on-one time with the teachers I've met along the way, and then to share these conversations with you, the listener. So I very much approach this conversation as a student, and I try to ask questions that are not only interesting to me, but hopefully interesting to you. In this conversation, I ask Ramaswamy about his experience as a longtime student of Krishnamacharya, the true goal of yoga, the relationship between Hatha and Raja Yoga, the yogic approach to meditation, his understanding of the more esoteric concepts of yoga like Kundalini and the chakras, And he also speaks about the aspects of yoga that become more important to him as he ages. He's now in his 70s, and we speak about what keeps him going as he continues to lead in-depth yoga study programs all over the world. If you're interested in learning more about Ramaswamy and his upcoming trainings, you can visit his website at vinyasakrama.net. And if you're interested in learning more about myself, you can visit my website, brianjamesyoga.com. There will be links and show notes available at medicinepathpodcast.com. And with that, it's my great honor and joy to present to you my conversation with Srivatsa Ramaswamy. Om Shuklam Baradharam Vishnum Shashivarnam Chaturbhujam Prasanna Vadanam Dhyayet Sarva Vignopashantaye Mamopatta Samasta I'll start with a short prayer. Aindhikaratthanai, Anaymukhatthanai, Indhinyilampirai, Pondraya, Itrinai, Nandimakhandhanai, Anakkullundhinai, Pundhijilvai, Thadipotruhindhrenai Om Yes. Yes, thank you. Um, you're best known as the longest standing student of Sri T. Krishnamacharya. And I'm wondering when you began studying with him, how old were you? I was about 15, 15, 16. I think I started uh, around 1955 uh, when Krishnamacharya came to my house to teach my brother who needed some special attention. And then slowly my whole family, my father, my mother, my sister, and myself, all of us joined him. And then after some time, I continued to study with him, whereas the rest of the members of my family stopped. Hmm. And how long did you end up studying with him for? I, 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 was, uh, I was going to him almost uh, for the 
between 1955 and 1988. 80, I think he passed away in 88. About, about a year before he passed away, I used to go and... Uh, study with him wow and so that was um until he was what 100 years old right yeah he was yeah he was about 99 at the time you know afterwards there were a number of uh, you know programs were coming for his uh, centenary celebration so so the studies were disrupted uh, you know there was so until until he was 99 i used to go go to him to study that's incredible that he was still teaching at that age. Um, yeah, I, I, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, uh, some people have said that, that Krishnamacharya could be a bit of a tough teacher, um, but I'm wondering what your experience of him was. Yeah, he is, he is tough, you know. I, only thing is he expected, uh, uh, I mean, his students, I mean, that's what I found, that uh, he wanted people to be sincere study with him and try to uh, you know try to be, you know conduct oneself properly these are some of the things expected but beyond that you know he was very nice you know he was always willing to give as much as you can take or more than what you can take many people found it difficult to take more than what they can take but then he had so much to offer that almost everybody can find something or other valuable from him hmm. That's one thing that strikes me about um, having met some of his students or the students of his students is that um, if you look at someone like Patabi Joyce or BKS Iyengar or Indra Devi or his own son TKV Desikachar, they all uh, they present yoga in a slightly different way. And I'm wondering. Is that indicative of how Krishnamacharya taught his students? It's very difficult for me to say because uh, most of the better-known teachers like B.K. Sayangar or Patabi Joyce or Indradev, they all studied during a much earlier part uh, of his teaching. So I don't really know how he taught them or uh, what uh, they absorbed from him. But then during the later part when he came to Madras and then started teaching, I, you know, it was more, it was, uh, I, I, you know, so I will not be able to say exactly how he taught those people. But during the time that I studied with him during the later part of his life, there was a lot of common ground in the way we learned. You know, I, I used to study with Deshkachar, you know, a number of texts we studied together, though asanas were separately studied, number of texts we studied together, and a bit of chanting, Vedic chanting we did together. So uh, there is not uh, the way we Deshkacha teachers or the way people are doing the later part of his life, uh, his students are teaching, are somewhat similar. Mainly they are breath oriented. Only thing is the emphasis may vary. Deshkacha emphasized more and more on the uh, the therapeutic aspect of it, whereas I try to emphasize more and more on the the complete vinyasa system. <clears throat> So that people can learn uh, as many vinyasas or as many asanas as possible, and then adopt individual requirements. Mm. So there can be some difference. And moreover, the later part of his life, he not only taught asanas, he taught uh, other aspects of yoga, pranayama, plenty of chanting. You know, he taught plenty of chanting, and then he also taught many of the texts. Texts, you know, after all, every subject uh, requires uh, some good theoretical knowledge. Yoga also is a very, very rich, deep subject. Uh, and there are, uh, you know, s uh, sibling philosophies of yoga. So, 
Krishmacharya was uh, was able to teach number of other uh, texts also, which uh, you know, which are very useful as a yoga student. So we were able to have much broader or a deeper uh, foundation uh, with uh, with a variety of uh, teachings, chanting, then study of the what he calls study of uh, yoga in in his various vinyasas. He taught about seven hundred vinyasas, more than hundred asanas. So <clears throat> so the range. <clears throat> The range of asanas that he taught, the number of vinyasas he taught, and then breath orientation with the vinyasas, which was uh, which is which you find in the later part of his uh, students, uh, they they used to employ the breathing along with their movements. So there 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 are differences, and and again each one approaches uh, you know even though he may teach or you teach the two people the same way, but the way the individual is able to absorb could vary, you know. Some things appeal to somebody. Some things, some other ideas appeal to somebody else. So it's very difficult to find uh, that everybody will teach exactly the same way as uh, you know, as uh, as they study, right? Mm-hmm. So I I don't I, I don't uh, you know I don't uh, think it is much of an issue that people teach differently. So it is up to the student. Even my own students, each one teaches in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when people speak about yoga these days, uh, often they talk about it as a form of physical therapy or stress relief or for the healing of trauma and so forth. Uh, what would you say is the true purpose of yoga beyond um, those physical benefits? Yeah, see, at least the initial stages, these physical benefits, the physiological or even psychological effects are very, very useful and necessary. But then, but after some time, you know, once you are able to, you are comfortable with yoga, then people would, would should start asking the question, is there anything more to this than, rather than doing the same set of asanas day in, day out, see? So you've got to start exploring more and more. So it is, initial stage, it's perfectly right. Maybe two to three years, you study asanas, you find it is useful to you. But then afterwards, uh, you know, you've got to understand, you've got to find out, uh, is there anything more I can get from this, this, this subject? It's a complete, you know, it's a complete rich subject. So, it, so once you start studying yoga, after some time, it is up to the individual, to your students, to ask for more, right? If you can't get it from your student, you must try to find out from somewhere else. So, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of responsibility rests not only on the teacher but also on the student. The student should be inquisitive. I mean, you can't just take the same thing, do it over and over again. If you're satisfied with this, fine. But there are some people who are not merely satisfied with uh, uh, with mere asanas. In fact, after some time, asanas uh, will not be as useful as they were when you were young. During the mid part of the life, you need uh, different aspects of yoga, more and more pranayama, meditation, study, uh, relaxation methods. All of them are required to keep your self healthy, both physically and also mentally, psychologically. You know. Mm-hmm. A lot of things can be got from yoga. And then when you become very old, then asanas become a bit of minor part of your uh, your yoga practice. There are so many other things that uh, yoga to uh, start uh, considering. The philosophy of yoga comes in handy when you become old. So, uh, it, yeah, so it is up to the individual to, to, to take more and more interest and then explore the rich subject of yoga. Mm, thank you. I think there is some confusion in the yoga world about <clears throat> different approaches to yoga practice and the labels that are used to describe them. And I wonder if you could speak a little bit about the differences or similarities between Hatha and Raja Yoga and how they interact with each other. 
అకార్డింగ్ టు ఇది క్లాసిక్ డెఫినేషన్ ఇన్ హట యోగా హట యోగా బేసికలీ ఫిజికల్ అండ్ ఫిజియలాజికల్ ఈవెన్ ఫీడ్ లుక్ అట్ ద హట యోగా ప్రదీపిక యూల్ సి దట్ ఇట్ ఈస్ వర్చువల్లీ వాటి కాదు ఫిజికల్ ఎక్సర్సైజ్ ఆసనాస్ దెన్ యూ కార్డ్ ప్రాణాయామా దిస్ ఇస్ అగైన్ ఫిజికల్ దెన్ ది వేరియస్ ముద్ర దెర్ ఆల్సో ఫిజికల్ సో ఫిజికల్ అండ్ ఫిజియలాజికల్ చేంజెస్ ఆర్ సపోజ్ టు బి బ్రాట్ అబౌట్ బై హట యోగా సో అండ్ దెన్ సో ఫార్ ఇస్ ద మైండ్ ఈస్ కన్సర్న్ ఐ మీన్ అఫ్కోర్స్ హట యోగా ఆల్సో ఐ గాట్ వన్ చాప్టర్ ఆన్ on on uh, you know on uh, some meditation but uh, hatha yoga themselves say that uh, hatha yoga is a stepping stone i mean uh, a foundation for uh, going into raja yoga so raja yoga is more about the mind about the philosophy about the nature of the self uh, the, you know all these aspects are dealt with in greater detail in raja yoga they, in fact according to hatha yoga hatha yoga is the what do you call you become a master in hatha yoga then you start uh, practicing the raja yoga angas which will be vertical the dharana dhyana samadhi then the the theory behind uh, the the way the mind functions you know the way the raja yoga is analyzed the uh, function of the mind at chitta which is very 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 refreshing you know that will be so both of them are complement each other so a good uh, uh, raja yogi should keep the body and uh, mind in good condition by hatha yoga practice hatha yoga is after doing hatha yoga they must start exploring raja yoga so they both uh, can be done in tandem right mm-hmm. i find uh, these days there's a lot of interest in meditation um but i i find i find that often people are actually talking about a uh, mindfulness observing the sensations in the body and observing their thoughts which i believe is different than the meditation uh described in the yoga sutras and i wonder if you could if you could speak a little bit about the yoga approach to meditation and how mindfulness may or may not relate to that yeah actually the patanjali's yoga sutras you know the meditation itself is divided into three steps the dharana stage and the dhyana stage and then the samadhi stage so basically you will see that uh, the approach of yoga raja yoga is to reduce the number of vrittis chitta vrittis see normally in our day to day life from morning to night so there are hundreds and hundreds of chitta vrittis you know we go about uh, the world a lots of stimulus from the outside world we react so the mind is constantly engaged in different kinds of chitta vrittis but when you start practicing yoga especially the first the bahiranga sadhanas you know the what do you call yama niyamas and yama niyamas help to reduce the number of vrittis you take from the outside world by having a controlled uh, relationship with the with the outside world you are able to reduce a lot of unnecessary chitta vritti that itself brings certain amount of calmness to the mind more vritti is more distraction more pain so mm. that helps to reduce the number of vrittis even yama niyama practice itself tries to bring certain amount of calm calmness to the mind then you practice asanas asanas are supposed to help reduce a particular guna called rajas rajas is said to cause lot of pain so by asana practice you get a better control over the body when you are able to get a better control over the body the distractions due to your body start coming down you know there are aches and pains start coming down you don't fall sick so easily so the physical distractions and bodily distractions are supposed to be our bodily chitta vrittis are supposed to be brought down by asana practice then pranayama brings about a certain clarity of the mind it is said to remove tamas and tamas is removed the mind becomes clear so this is again is able to reduce most of the tamasic vrittis of the mind so 
so now you are ready for then pratyahara the next anga it is able to bring uh, to bring under control the various uh, senses so the distractions due to senses also are also brought down so by these uh, bahiranga sadhanas external practices Uh, which can be called hatha yoga you are able to reduce the chitta vritti substantially now you start working with your own mind the mind is already prepared well the mind has become very satvik because asanas reduce rajas pranayama reduces tamas the mind becomes very satvik a satvik mind only can meditate so once you get to that then again patanjali goes there in step by step because the mind still is not what did you what do you try to do in the what you call in the antaranga sadhana the internal practice i want to keep my mind in one vritti rather than having my mind going after so many vrittis within a short period of time in a matter of 15 minutes if i am able to keep my mind in one vritti then i may become a yogi ekagrata so that training i'll have to give it to my mind that is the purpose of the three step approach to meditation first you take an object <clears throat> object an object of uh, object uh, a satvik object and then meditate upon that the mind keeps on wandering from that once the mind keeps on wandering you coax the mind back to the same object and over a period of time you develop a new set of habits a new set of samskaras yeah yeah habitually distracted mind becomes a habitually concentrating mind so once you are able to remain with an object for a for like this practice for a while then you even forget your then you are able to remain with the object for a longer and longer period of time during the 15 minutes there will be no break whatsoever when you reach that particular stage it is known as dhyana stage and then according to yogis you are able to persist with that ultimately you will be able to forget yourself so that they call it as samadhi stage so it is a very systematic approach in the yoga sutras it is a very systematic approach where you are able to reduce the vrittis in a step by step approach and ultimately after you are able to reach a stage of samadhi once you are able to understand the true nature of the self there is no other vritti that they call the chitta vritti nirodha so you got the goal is goal is chitta vritti nirodha so that is brought about in a step by step manner reduce the vrittis from the outside world reduce the vrittis of your own body reduce reduce the vrittis of your indriyas or senses reduce the vrittis of your old habits and ultimately you are able to reach the stage of shitavatti nirodha this is the approach according to the yoga sutras and then there are other methods other schools which teach yoga meditation in a different way but according to patanjali meditation is a three step approach first step will be the dharana stage the same object but you reach the first stage is called dharana stage second stage is called the dhyana stage and third stage is known as the samadhi stage and then ultimately you are able to overcome all the chitta vrittis mm. um <clears throat> thank you for that it's very clear uh you've spent so much of your life traveling the world and teaching this method called vinyasa and i wonder if you could define that term for people and speak to its role in reaching this goal of yoga actually the word vinyasa is not uh, confined to yoga vinyasa is a sanskrit word which means uh, something which is done in an art form you know anything that you do in an art form is called vinyasa this term is used in indian music very much you know vinyasa method actually the vinyasa method is uh, you know supposing you want to do let us uh, confide let us see what vinyasa means with respect to asana practice the word vinyasa has got three parts v one prefix ni is another prefix asa is the actual word 
asa is to place something so near the the other prefix near refers to uh, placing something in a particular way so and then v is variation so we got two things in this uh, vinyasa word supposing you take let, let me try to explain explain it in a, in a form of an example you take the example of padmasana you know the lotus pose lotus pose the definition is keep one leg on the thigh the other uh, what you call one foot on the thigh and the other foot on the opposite side this is what you find definition of padmasana in the various books so this padmasana okay but with padmasana where your lower extremities are completely locked then if you are able to move around with this uh, locked uh, you know legs the uh, locks uh, locked legs then you find vinyasas you can you can raise your arms pull up your waist which is known as parvatasana or mountain pose again your legs are in padmasana right and then in in it's a very favorite pose of my teacher you know this parvatasana then we exhale and bend forward then it is known as yoga mudra lie down on your back with padmasana it is known as supta padmasana raise your legs uh, in padmasana in uh, you know in shoulder stand or head stand it is known as urdhva padmasana then bend your uh, what you call it, bend at your hips and then wrap your arm arms around your legs which are in padmasana it's known as pindasana or uh, what what is known as uh, the fetus pose right then um, you lie on your stomach it is known as adhomukha padmasana you can do mayurasana peacock pose in this kali then it is known as the padma mayurasana so so many different uh, what you call uh, what can be so this method of approaching is known as a vinyasa krama right in addition to that in every asana you move your turn twist bend forward lie down so you make it into a very what you call an artistic way of doing this there are two benefits of that you are able to bring about the richness of this and then every time you move around then you are able to improve your rectus sanchara blood circulation and then every time you do this movement you also do it with breathing so prana sanchara is also good. so it becomes not only an artistic way of doing yoga but also it is a very medical it is a very health uh, produces very health benefits because you are able to improve the blood circulation and also the prana sanchara and that so this is vinyasa krama so my teacher taught more than 700 vinyasas in about uh, more than 100 uh, classical asanas and in major 10 major sequences so that's what i try to do i take about 60 hours to teach the the entire uh, entire uh, 10 uh, major sequences 100 plus asanas and about 700 vinyasas so this this is this is the way i teach uh, the asana practice so that's why it is called so yoga can be practiced in different way you take a few asanas like mentioned in the hatha yoga pratipika or do half a dozen series on a daily basis there are different approaches to it in vinyasa krama you try to explore the possibilities what are the various possibilities what are the various uh, positions or movements the body can do with in, in yoga with breathing so mm. that is what i try to do Yeah, thank you. Um you've also recorded numerous albums of Vedic chanting and <clears throat> I'm wondering what the role of chanting in mantra is in yoga practice. You know, one uh, because you read the Patanjali Yoga Sutras you use the word swadhyaya in both in Kriya Yoga and Ashtanga Yoga you use the term swadhyaya as part of Yamanayamas. Swadhyaya the class is swadhyaya is also a Vedic term. swadhyay I means study of the vedas in the olden days so my gurus and then most of the ideas that you find in yoga you they are they are from the vedas yoga is a vedic philosophy i mean the traditional yoga is a vedic philosophy so study is very important if you want to become a medical 
doctor you got to study medical books likewise the theory behind yoga has to be studied and then the vedas are supposed to be the source of that uh, so that uh, you got to study the, the what you call studying the vedic portions the upanishad portions etc for the knowledge sake but in addition to that according to my guru the vedic chanting you know produces very auspicious vibrations in the various chakras in the body that's what you used to say so when you you chant uh, you know the vedic chant for about half an hour either you chant or listen to it you feel you feel, you feel a, a peculiar sense of peace you know uh, so uh, both physiological psychologically and also you know knowledge wise the chants become very important so we spent a lot of time studying chanting with uh, krishnamacharya and uh, some of those things i was able to record and then many of them are available on on, on what you call the, the internet uh, through a jukebox and youtube and all that hmm. yeah i have some very special memories of you chanting to us while we were in shavasana when i was at your loyola marymount uh, training yeah yeah it was uh, yes. quite powerful just to um be in the room while you're chanting yeah. something is transmitted it's a, it's it's we see vedas are very old but still many many people keep on uh, doing the chanting it is still alive so uh, people find the chanting and listening to chanting is uh, very very peaceful very you know mm-hmm. very nice if you know the meaning even then it's even better right yeah are there yogic mantras that are appropriate for non hindu westerners that's very difficult uh, you know the olden days uh, the mantras especially the gayatri mantra pranav mantra used to be kept kept secret but then uh, krishnamacharyas uh, in fact women were not allowed to learn chanting in the olden days i remember when i was young uh, you know mostly mostly boys will be chanting mostly means always only it will be the boys will be learning chanting but then krishnamacharyas said that you know anybody who is interested in learning chanting can learn so many women you know in india they started studying with him and some of them are very very good uh, so i am not very sure whether about whether somebody can uh, learn chanting or not but then if somebody is interested i don't think you should uh, try that you know, if you want to learn chanting try if you like it uh, go ahead and do it hmm. yeah that's interesting two of my chanting teachers uh are both women. Oh good. Who studied with uh, Desikachar so it just right. shows how things have changed I guess. Yes, yes. that Krishnamacharya did a lot you know you know he uh, you know he broke the uh, the taboo at the time and then you know hmm. he, his view was that you know because men were not uh, spending much time learning all these things if women are interested then we must teach women also so that uh the so that you know these ideas this uh, chance will be available for the posterity right that uh, because the women were actually interested that they might uh, preserve some of this yes. tradition right you are right hmm um so you when you're speaking about chanting you mentioned the chakras and um some of the more subtle aspects of yoga like kundalini and the chakras have been described yes. in in so many different ways and so i'm interested in what your understanding of kundalini and the chakras uh how you understand them how you were taught by your guru and how they are relevant to hatha yoga 
actually my guru was not uh, kundalini yogi you know and that's a different uh, branch of uh, a different uh, aspect of yoga you know different school of yoga kundalini yoga but then in hatha yoga they talk about kundalini you know because if you i mean basically the kundalini is supposed to be uh, you know is sleeping and then it is blocking the movement of prana into the into the sushumna to reach the sahasara so the whole approach of hatha yoga hatha yoga's approach is to what you call arouse kundalini so that uh, you know both the kundalini and the united prana prana and apana hatha yoga according to uh, to one definition is the union of prana and apana so this uh, united uh, prana will go move along the sushumna to reach the sahasrara this is the uh, this is the concept that is there and then many of the hatha yoga practices you know like your uh, moolabandha uh, and mahamudra they are all supposed to be helpful in uh, arousing the kundalini and so far the chakras are concerned the krishnamacharya i mean so far as i as far as i know used to mention about the chakras but in the beginning go very deep into the uh, what you call into the it is it's a separate subject itself but one understanding of uh, krishnamacharya is because most of the abdominal exercises like you know kapalabhati udyana bandha moola bandha they are all uh, helpful in arousal of the kundalini but according to krishnamacharya the these things can be related to the six important koshas in the body or six important organs in the body and some people relate the chakras to the koshas so it's a lot of uh, you know a lot of uh, interdisciplinary approach will have to be uh, applied to understand the chakras the koshas and how they operate hmm. do you think that the chakras and kundalini uh, are just the early yogis way of describing something that they were feeling or do you think that uh this is actually something that's happening in the body or the energetic body i mean according to my guru the chakras are uh, real real uh, entities inside the body and then you even used to say that the chakras the axis of the chakras is not horizontal but it is uh, I mean, it is not vertical as we imagine, but it is horizontal. There are chakras uh, like you've got a wheel, you know, supposing, you know, like a wheel uh, with a horizontal, like your car wheel, you know, car wheel, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't, uh, what do you call, rotate uh, with a vertical axis, but with a horizontal axis. So mm-hmm. that's what you used to say. That appears to, what do you call, go with the view that, uh, you know, the... what is called the 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 nerve bundles coming out of the uh, spinal cord you know they all they all look like in fact another interpretation of uh, uh, chakra is uh, chakra is a hub so chakra means the hub uh, nadi samuha like in a like in a wheel you know number of spokes uh, what is called emanate from a hub so likewise the number of uh, nerves emanate from 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 a, what is called a ganglion whatever mm. and plexus so there are different interpretations possible for this yeah do you think it's important for the practitioner to have a conceptual understanding of these things like kundalini and the chakras to enjoy no, i think yeah it, it all depends upon you know which school you are following if you are following a kundalini yoga approach completely then yes you got to understand these things but in hatha yoga or in raja yoga the 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 interpretation and or the approach to goal are different in raja yoga the approach is to bring about the chitta vritti nirodha in hatha yoga it is uh, the whole goal is to bring about the union between prana and apana 
in kundalini yoga the approach is to bring about the union between shakti and shiva so different approaches are there so we have to we have so if you have a kundalini yoga teacher then you follow those instructions for a hatha yoga teacher i follow those instructions the whole idea is to bring about the union between prana and apana if you are following raja yoga then the whole approach is to bring about the chitta vritti nirodha so it is good to keep the focus in front rather than mixing up a number of these different yoga disciplines mhm um so would you say that this union of prana and apana leads to chitta vritti nirodha prana and apana union that's what the hatha yoga pradeep hatha yoga vertical hatha yoga pradeepika talks about but then they also say once you are able to bring about the vertical prana and apana union then your mind is now ready that you have already done asana pranayama the various mudras and then pratyahara everything you have done so your mind is now free so that it can you can focus your attention more and more on the functioning of the mind uh, okay so the union of prana and apana is describing a kind of uh, mental emotional stability yes that uh, you you become fit for you become fit for the next stage of raja yoga hmm thank you um so just before we end i just uh, <laughs> i want to mention that i studied with you for a month in 2014 in los angeles and yeah. at that time i believe you were already in your 70s and i'm i'm still in awe of how you were able to teach all day long every day for over a month of a large number of students and i'm wondering uh to what do you owe your ability to maintain that level of energy into your elder years no i i mean i i i really uh, i mean uh, see what i try to do is uh in fact I, uh, when i became when i was 70 i thought that uh, Uh, i will not be able to teach for a long period of time so one year i teach and then i find i can go on so i i agree for doing more programs so likewise it is going on i don't know when i will then i will find it uh, you know impossible or difficult to teach i will stop at that particular time i don't know do you attest this ability to keep teaching to some aspect of your practice i don't i don't know i don't know you mean there are many people who are not yogis are able to do a lot of work in their 80s they are all quite healthy mm. i don't know i don't i don't know because it so i can only say that uh, yoga has been very helpful for me both from uh, you know uh, keeping uh, keeping good health i mean whatever up to up to this point touch wood um, so I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm looking for the secret to longevity. <laughs> there there I don't know. Maybe there are some yogis who live, live long there are some yogis who die young. I don't know. Mm. Maybe there is something more to these things. There's maybe uh, I mean there if you take see, doing pranayama regularly keeping the mind calm and then uh, doing all these activities all these regularly it will be helpful but then i think there is much more than practicing yoga which keeps somebody going it may be your karma it may be your uh, what is i don't know mm-hmm. difficult to say. just just keep, uh, keep doing whatever you want to do as long as you can do yeah um do you have any idea how much longer you'll be doing your traveling and teaching no every year i think this will be the last year so i <laughs> think this will be the last year Yeah and then maybe you'll come back next year. <laughs> I don't know. See who knows. Yeah. 
See well, if I can, if I can. See, I'm able to talk to you now. I mean, I'm feeling quite comfortable talking. You know, if I can uh, feel comfortable uh, teaching, the moment I find that uh, I'm not comfortable or I'm not able to do it, I will stop. Hmm. I mean, that case, then if I had arranged some uh, programs, I may have to cancel a few programs. That's about all. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you've got some trainings scheduled this year. And uh, one of those is, I believe, a two-week training in my former hometown of Victoria, British Columbia. Yes, that will be starting uh, towards the end of June. It is being organized by One Yoga, my friend, uh, uh, friend uh, Ryan Lear, right? Ryan Ryan Lear, yeah, he is arranging that program, and that will be in Victoria, starting around uh, June 29th or so, for about 15 days. It will be a 100-hour program. 60 hours will be for the asana uh, portion, asana vinyasas, about, as I told you, about 700 vinyasas and asanas. Then there will be a 20-hour pranayama component uh, where I will teach also the effect of yoga on the various internal organs like heart, lungs, your uh, stomach, and the reproductive organs and, you know, some of those things. Then I got another 20 hours of completely going through the yoga sutras, sutra by sutra, word by word. So that will constitute a 100-hour program in 15 days. So that is one program I'm doing. In fact, earlier to the time, I'm doing a, what do you call it, a one-week program of assorted subjects in Austin, Texas. Then one more important program I'm trying, I'm planning to do will be in Loyola Marymount University, where I've been going there for about 10, 12 years, where I'll be teaching the twin subjects of Sankhya and Yoga, Sankhya in the morning and Yoga in the afternoon, each 20 hours. We'll go through, Sankhya Karika is an important text. Uh, there are 72 shlokas. We'll go through them uh, word by word during the morning session. The afternoon session, we'll go through the Yoga Sutras, Sutra by Sutra. So there's another program. There are a few other programs coming up after that. Hmm. I would highly recommend to anyone who's interested in the teachings of Krishnamacharya, who are interested in going deeper into their yoga practice to study with Ramaswamy. Um, I found I found you, Ramaswamy, to be one of the most knowledgeable teachers I've ever met, and I find that you hold that knowledge with such integrity and humility, and that's been really inspiring to me as a teacher. So yeah, I, I, maybe, but basically, I got a, an outstanding teacher. I'm very fortunate to have been able to study with Krishnamacharya for such a long time, and uh, you know, he was very compassionate. He was prepared to give a lot. And then explain everything in a very logical way so that, uh, you know, you don't have to be a traditionalist to be able to follow what he's talking about. You know, everything he was able to bring down to your level. So he was a great scholar, but, you know, I I have none of those scholarship uh, like him. But still, he was able to come to our level and then explain so that, you know, we'll be able to take something out of that. So these subjects should be, if you are able to explain in a way people can understand, uh, then that is good. I'm very grateful to my teacher and also grateful to all the people who have supported me like you. Uh, you know, well, it's, it's been a great experience. Yeah, studying with you has been uh, such a gift to me, so I do appreciate that. And anything I can do to um, to help you, I will definitely do. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. And. I'll be sure to include links to your website, which has a lot of information about your publications, including YouTube videos, um, some of those Vedic chanting recordings, and all of your upcoming trainings. And I wonder if you could just close our interview with another prayer. Yes. 
ವನಮಾಲೇ ಗದಿ ಶಾರಂಗಿ ಶಂಕಿ ಚಕ್ರಿ ಚನಂದಕಿ ಶ್ರೀಮಾನ್ ನಾರಾಯಣ ವಿಷ್ಣುರು ವಾಸುದೇವೋ ಬಿರಕ್ಷತು ಗೇಶ ಅಚ್ಯುತ ಗೋವಿಂದ ಮಾಧವಾನಂದ ಕೇಶವ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ವಿಷ್ಣು ಋಷಿಕೇಶ ವಾಸುದೇವ ನಮೋಸ್ತುತೆ ಶಂಕಚಕ್ರ ಗದಾಪಾನೆ ಶ್ರೀಮದ್ವಾರಕಾನಲೆಯ ಅಚ್ಯುತ ಗೋವಿಂದ ಪುಂಡರೀಕಾಕ್ಷರ ಕ್ಷಮಾಂ ಶರಣಾಗತ ನಮೋ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣ್ಯ ದೇವಾಯ ಗೋ ಬ್ರಾಹ್ಮಣೀತಾಯ ಜಗದ್ಧೀತಾಯ ಕೃಷ್ಣಾಯ ಗೋವಿಂದಾಯ ನಮೋ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ತತ್ಸತ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣಾರ್ಪಣಮಸ್ತು ಶ್ರೀನಿವಾಸ ಆಚಾರ್ಯ ಕುಂತುರುಡಿಗಲೇ ಶರಣ thank you and thank you so much oh thank you so much and i hope you have a wonderful day and i wish you safe travels thank you thank you very much thanks a lot okay bye bye Well, that was my conversation with Srivatsa Ramaswamy, and I hope you found it as interesting as I did. He was so kind and generous to take the time to speak with me. From what I understand, this was his first ever podcast interview, and I'm not sure he understood how it was going to work, but he was really patient as we figured out the technological side of things. And that really reinforced to me just how generous and sincere he is, and as you heard in the interview, how truly humble he is. which to me is the sign of a real yogi. So thank you for listening and if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a 5-star review on iTunes. It really helps others to find this podcast and to get an idea of what it's about. So with that, I'll say goodbye for now and I'll see you down the medicine path. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.